Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? A big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. He did the heavy lifting editing this episode, and I greatly appreciate it. You can learn more about his work at IdealVideoStrategies.com. And I have some big news. Next month, I will be doing a live episode of the ADHD Essentials podcast at the Commonwealth Learning Center in Needham, Massachusetts. More details, including how to register to attend, will be provided in the upcoming weeks. Also, in order to celebrate ADHD Awareness Month and get to 100 episodes before the upcoming ADHD conference running November 7th through the 10th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I will be posting two bonus episodes during the month of October. The first one, an interview with my kids, will drop this coming Tuesday. Finally, the best way to support this show is by sharing it with others, either online or in person. So let folks in your Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram feeds know that we exist, or let your friends and neighbors know about it. Whatever strikes your fancy. And don't forget to throw up that five-star rating and review on iTunes. Go ahead and do it right now. We'll wait, assuming you hit the pause button. Welcome to ADHD Essentials. Today, we're talking to Jeanette G. of Excuse My ADHD. Jeanette is a mom who is harnessing the power of podcasting to chronicle her journey with ADHD. In today's episode, Jeanette shares a little bit about her life as an ADHD mom. We discuss navigating parental guilt, her interview with a member of Scottish Parliament, the connections between ADHD and compassion, and what it takes to follow through on our goals. All right, let's get rolling. Um, My name is Jeanette. I am the host of the Excuse My ADHD podcast. I have a website on all the social media, but I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I have a full-time job and somehow I became a soccer coach. So I'm kind of doing it all, but I guess my main goal and everything is I was tired of feeling alone and I knew if I felt alone, then other people felt alone. And so I wanted to remedy that. Yeah, that's a great motivator to start a podcast and do the things that you're doing. Yeah, so I'm just like everything I go through, I'm just like putting it out there, talking about getting diagnosed, how I went through that, what I'm doing with my meds, what I'm doing with all the other, the talk therapy and all that stuff too. So it's just kind of as I go. And are you the only person in your family with ADHD? Diagnosed, yes. But I do suspect that my mom has ADHD. My grandmother has kind of hinted that she does. I suspect one, if not two, of my kids also have ADHD. Okay. So it's totally in the family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a family affair. You could say that. How old are your kids? Uh, I have twins that are six and I have a son who is 10. So you're thinking two out of three have the ADHD? Is it the twins or is it the 10 year old? And at least, um, well, they all kind of, this is, this is what's tricky for me. So they all have 
characteristics that I have and my husband's worried that I'm projecting onto them, which is, you know, that's a legitimate concern. But at the same time, at least in my girls, I relate a lot of what I saw in myself growing up, specifically one of them, because she does have a lot of the daydreaming and the attention problems and needs a lot more structure than the other two. And it's like, if I'm not constantly trying to help guide her through the morning, she'll sit playing in the closet where her sister, she's up ready to go. Her brother's the same way. They've already done everything they need to do. They don't need to be told except for to brush their teeth because kids don't like to brush their teeth for some reason. So they, <laughs> they have to be reminded for that. But other than that, you know, there's not a whole lot of guidance or structure I have to give them. And you know, then there's other things I see in her that watching her is a direct reflection of me as a child, especially where the emotional regulation is concerned. Um, she's very sensitive. And it doesn't take a whole lot to upset her, make her feel rejected. So I see a lot of that in her as well. Okay. This sounds like something my audience can probably relate to. I'm willing to bet there's at least a handful of parents listening right now who are like, my spouse says the same thing. (laughs) And I can say as the host of this podcast, my spouse said the same thing. (laughs) And admittedly, I was coming at it with a very different approach because I was coming at it from the perspective of a professional and also someone who has ADHD. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not projecting, I'm diagnosing. And we'll get there. And I also didn't rush anything, right? Like we are, we are looking into a diagnosis now and he's 10. Yeah. And I've been saying stuff since kindergarten. I was just like, well, it's not hurting him yet. I'm just seeing stuff that is there that may or may not become an issue later. And that's how I feel too. I'm just kind of watchful waiting. And as long as it's not affecting her at school, I'm just kind of letting her be. That's kind of the approach you want to take, right? Is, is it impacting the kid in more than one domain, so home, school, soccer, that kind of stuff. And then is it causing a problem? That's another approach to take, right? So the areas of home where things got challenging, that can has been kicked down the road pretty far because their dad knows strategies and ways to take to take different approaches to stuff. At school, it's a little bit different. Depends on the teacher, depends on the school as to the skill level that they're going to bring to the table. But one thing I want to point out is to my audience and to you as well is I know what I'm doing. I'm an expert. I have the master's degrees and the trainings and all that stuff. And I'm still getting a professional diagnosis because that's not what I do. And so that's the tack I would take is, hey, maybe until it starts to become a problem. And then you're like, hey, let's go pursue a diagnosis, whether it's through the school or through private stuff, whatever that might look like for you. But that's when you start. And that's when you start really committing to the, it's ADHD or dyslexia or whatever. And my husband's totally on board with that. He, he doesn't want to medicate so much just because he's surrounded by pharmaceuticals. He works in the industry, but he is open to it. So it's just right now, like you said, we're just, as long as it's not affecting school, we can handle it here with structure and keeping her active and things like that. So it's just waiting to see. And then I've got, you know, the other one, she's, I would say if she does, she's more on the hyperactive end of things, but I almost think her problem might be more anxiety than ADHD. Her stomach gets upset a lot, usually 
first day of school, before every soccer game, you know, just things that, you know, most kids are a little bit anxious about. She gets her stomach's upset. She starts twirling her hair and sucking her finger. And, and I can just see it with her body language that she's got a lot of anxiety going on and just doesn't know what it is. That's the thing that you have to navigate too, right? Is sort of accepting that like, yeah, okay, you feel that way. It doesn't mean you can't do what you need to do. Bill Russell, like one of the greatest centers in basketball history, he was a Boston Celtic, threw up before every basketball game that he played. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So that's a thing that happened. So what is it like being a mom with ADHD? How, how is it affecting you on the mom side? We talked a little bit about your kids, but what's it like for you? <sighs> There's a lot of guilt. I feel like, unfortunately, you know, before I was aware of it, my kids were paying the ADHD tax. There were things I would forget. I would forget to give them their medication missed doses. Like if they're sick and they have to take an antibiotics, I would forget to give them a dose in the morning or a dose at night. And do they still have the flu? Well, no, I mean, they're better, but it's that mom guilt and that shame of forgetting or forgetting a doctor's appointment or being late to something, forgetting forms that have to be filled out, forgetting to help them with their homework so they can turn it in and having them come home mad at me because they didn't get their homework done. It's just, a lot of that. And now that, you know, I know what the problems are, I've put think more things in place to help. So like I use a burnt bullet journal and I make sure I write, I have two sides to it because I don't do it like the traditional way, but I have like a work side and a home side and I make sure I write everything down and it's helped a lot. I didn't ask if they still had the flu to be a big flippant jerk. No, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, it's the flu forgave you for missing a dose and decided to go away. Like you can forgive yourself too, which doesn't mean it's not hard. I feel bad when I mess up too. Um, it's just, I just try not to carry it too, too long. That's kind of the, my mission. My, my message here is you don't have to carry it that long. I know, but my OCD makes me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a constant battle. So I've got the OCD and I've got the ADHD and they're both butting heads and pulling me in the same time. <laughs> So no, I get it though. I do. I work really hard to try not to carry those things and obsess about them. And sometimes it's harder than others, but you know, my head tells me that I know everything is okay. But then at the same time, it just cycles it through my head every time. It and then it comes up again every time they have to take medication again. And then I get hypervigilant about it. How do you navigate it when your mind just keeps getting on you. Oh, you forgot to give them the 6 p.m. dose. Oh, it just stays with me all night long. I'll not sleep. If I forget to give it to them and they go to sleep, I'll be up half the night just thinking about it because it just, I can't shut it off. And then in the morning, I'm like, okay, so if I give them an extra millimeter every single dose, will that make up for it? Or if I give them two extra millimeters, will that make them sick? Will that catch it up? Will that help? Do I need to add another dose to the end? Or do I stop when the bottle says to stop? Have you asked the pediatrician? No. Too ashamed to ask the pediatrician. They'll think I'm an idiot. No, they won't. Not if you start with, I have ADHD. That's right. They'll think you have ADHD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know for me, when I, so my wife, 
like her executive functions are so sexy. <laughs> it's why I married her. So typically my kids don't miss any medications because she'll do it because she knows mine suck. But for me, I miss doses all the time when I have the flu or whatever. And I just keep going. I'm just like, oh, apparently I'm taking this for three weeks instead of two or whatever. <laughs> um, and it, I mean, it, I guess it works because I don't have the flu right now. But there are strategies that I have applied to making sure I take my ADHD medication, for example, that are different, right? Like I have, um, I don't think my wife even even knows this. I think she just thinks I buy way too much iced tea. But I, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's this brand called Tazo Iced Tea, right? And I, I get the green tea version of it. And I drink that when I take my ADHD medication because it leaves like, so you got the caffeine and the ADHD meds. It's not even about the caffeine. I don't drink that much of it. I drink like a mouthful. But it's because I have that taste in my mouth now. So I know I took my medication because it's a different sort of taste that I only associate with taking my medication most of the time. So it's a different sensory reminder. Yeah. I also, for a while, I was using Alexa as like, a, this is your reminder. Take your ADHD medication. And I do that with my kids when they have flu stuff to take as well. So that might be useful. Yeah, except I just remembered I didn't take my ADHD medication this morning. Do you want to, I mean, it's a little bit late in the day, but if you want to go do that, I will hold on. <laughs> I'll take it. No, you're fine. I'll take it. I just, I had that interview this morning and it was like, that's all I cared about. I don't know. I take it later in the day. Sometimes I'll do, I won't take it to lunch on some days. It's like I can get through the morning and then I'll remember at lunchtime and I take it and then I'm fine the rest of the day. And I don't really have trouble getting to sleep. But I think part of that's because the stuff that I was taking didn't really work. <laughs> so it didn't really matter. But I, <laughs> like the Adderall didn't do anything for me. So I started taking um, methylphenidate, Concerta, I think, yeah, yesterday. But yeah, so I don't know if it worked or not. Okay, because it's new. So you're figuring it out. Because it's new. So we'll see. And you mentioned that you did an interview. Is that something you're comfortable talking about? Can we play with that a little bit? Because because you yeah. are a podcaster. You're a fellow podcaster. You're yeah. part of the ADHD podcasting tribe, I guess. And and you mentioned the name of the podcast is... Excuse my ADHD. And you kind of had a big interview. Yeah, I did. I was really excited about it. Um, so I don't know if you've seen on... I think it was on either the Attitude... Facebook group or the ADHD support group. There's, I'm on a couple of them. Somebody had posted, it was a video recording of member of Scottish parliament, Daniel Johnson speaking at a debate in front of the minister discussing his ADHD and the importance of changing the way they look at ADHD in Scotland. And he gave about a six minute speech and it really resonated with me. And he also brought up the Netflix documentary, Take Your Pills, which I don't know if you've seen that either, but if you haven't, don't watch it because it'll make you very angry. That's why I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's, I didn't know what it was about when I watched it. I actually, it was, it was really funny timing because I watched it about two days before I saw that video. And then that night I had just thought about it so much. I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to email him. And two days later, I got a response. So I spoke with him this morning, 8 a.m. my time, Eastern time, but it was 1 o'clock his time. And it's funny, the more people with the inattentive type, 
like me that were diagnosed later in life, I've noticed kind of a pattern that we all kind of made it through under the radar. And it wasn't until we're in our late 20s, 30s, that time in your life when you have the most responsibility that people start noticing and it starts coming out. And he spoke a lot to that too. And he has talked a lot about, you know, how long it takes to get diagnosed in Scotland and how they have so little resources there, especially for adults. They have a, the ADHD, Scottish ADHD coalition and they have 15 support groups in the country. Only three of those are for adults. And that's in all of Scotland. I mean, that's not a lot in general. Yeah. Holy cow. No, it's not a lot, period. But that's the whole of Scotland. And he was discussing how in the borderlands, it's even different. So say in Edinburgh, where he is, it's much easier for him to get diagnosed and get a referral. But further north or the further outside of the bigger cities you go, it's even harder. And then they treat it differently. So if you go in and you refuse medication because you don't want your child to have medication yet, or you don't want to be on medication yet, then you could completely fall out of the system and no one's giving you the resources that you need. You're not getting the talk therapy. You're not getting the CBT or any of the other types of things that you could use outside of medication. They just, you're gone out of the system. And that happens in America too. There's areas of America. There's plenty of areas in America that don't have nearly the kinds of support they need. Oh, absolutely. And the more rural it gets, the harder it is to find stuff. That's the problem that I have. I'm just south of Cincinnati. So you would think there's a lot here because it's a bigger city, but there's plenty of psychiatrists. There's plenty of physicians. The problem is none of them really specialize in adult ADHD. There's ton that specialize in ADHD for children because we're really close to CCHMC, which is Children's Cincinnati Children's Medical Center and Hospital. So they have a whole program for kids and adolescents, but there's not really anything for adults. I've looked, the closest support group is in Lexington, which is about an hour away, south of me. There's things in Louisville, which that's an hour and 15 minutes away. And I didn't find any in Cincinnati. I've had a really hard time finding just a therapist for any of the other problems that I have to work with because it all is complex and they don't know how to deal with the ADHD so much. I got lucky in that I had a good physician who is very open to everything and she pretty much lets me guide my treatment. She's very um, accepting of it. And so I'm lucky in that aspect. But as far as any other kind of support, it's really kind of non-existent here, at least that I can find and I've been searching for months. That's one of the strengths, I think, of like the ADHD Essentials Online Parent Coaching Groups and Eric Tiver's ADHD Rewired Productivity and Accountability Groups because we meet over the internet. So it doesn't matter where you are. You can just log in. We have a video conversation with the group and I even work with individual clients in that way. So geography doesn't matter as much. And it allows us to go to places that we otherwise couldn't go to. I've worked with people in New Zealand, um, which is the, literally the other side of the world from where I am. And I think that that's the direction that mental health especially is going to head in more and more, which there is something to be said for being in physical proximity. But if that's not a choice, 
this is the next best option. Um, and there are some benefits to it. Like there's way more privacy if you're meeting from your house because you're not going anywhere to be walking into a building and people are like, what's up with that person? Yeah, nobody can overhear you. You don't have to worry about running into coworkers. Like that's one of the issues I have is that the people that do treat adults are in the building that I work in for the same company that I work for. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if I wanted to go see somebody, it's almost a conflict of interest because I do the finances for them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the people I work with do the finances for them. So they would know when I'm there. Wow. Huh. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> tricky. I, I hadn't even considered that part. But yeah, I see that. Yeah, because I work for a university and the psychiatry department is the floor under the finance, accounting and finance department. Holy cow. And you do finances. So that's that must be the OCD part because the ADHD is not excited about that. <laughs> yeah, the ADHD is absolutely not excited about it until it's it becomes a puzzle. So I do a lot of, I guess you could call it forensic accounting almost. Because when somebody has a problem with something and they can't figure out why this person's paid this way or why is this account in deficit, I'm the one that they usually come to to figure it out. Oh, cool. So I'm not good with, I can't do math. That's why I have Excel and calculators in my phone and other people. <laughs> the craziest part is the reason I got into it was because I had a faculty, I started out as an administrative assistant and I had a faculty member who was the chair and I got into doing research for him. And one day he asked me to help him with a budget. And then from that day on, it's just been, I've been doing finance for research grants. And that part of it, the research that they, the people that I've worked for do keeps me interested because I'm passionate about helping people. So he did research on health behavior, getting minority communities and underserved communities, those who are most affected by HIV and STDs to use condoms. Or I had a faculty member when I was at Temple who focuses on eradicating neuro HIV and AIDS. All of these important studies and researchers help keep me interested in it. And then my OCD helps to keep me hyper-focused on it, I guess you could say. <laughs> it's like a double-edged sword. Yeah, but that's a good combination if it's working for you. And Yeah, it seems to be. And that sort of problem-solving combined with helping people thing, that seems to be a big deal for folks with ADHD. Most of the people I know with ADHD are really motivated by those two things. And having them come together like that for you is fantastic. Yeah, it's, I've been lucky. And that's the way to get our kids going too, is like give them a problem to solve, give them somebody to help, let them know that they're contributing to the family. That's enormous. Even if it's just raking leaves, let them know it's a big deal and they'll get going. Yeah. My girls are really, they do that. They're really good about helping things. And my one daughter who I suspect has it, she has probably the biggest heart in anybody I've ever seen when it comes to helping kids at school. She'll be, she's the first person to go up to them and just make sure they feel included. And she's really big on fairness, which is something I feel like when you have ADHD, I think it's kind of, you have that really strong moral compass of what's right and wrong, just because I think we've been treated in an unfair manner because we were never diagnosed. So when we see people or things that are unfair, we're really quick to point it out. Yeah. And suffering too, right? Like we don't want to see people suffer. 
because we have and we know what that's like. Yeah. The biggest thing that for me watching her is I don't want her to go through anything that I went through. I don't want her to feel that she's constantly disappointing people or that she feels broken because she's different and doesn't know why. What are you doing to help your kids avoid that feeling? I try. It's hard. I don't even know. Anytime that she feels rejected or left out by her brother and sister, I try and just talk to her and tell her that it's okay what she's feeling, that it'll pass, that I feel that way sometimes too. They're not really rejecting her. They don't know that she wants to play with them because most of the time that's what it is. The two of them will go play a video game and she typically doesn't want to play it. So when she goes in there, they don't always know that she wants to play. So I try to explain things like that to her to make her realize that it's not always what she thinks it is and just that she can breathe. And I try and get her to see it by going, taking her in there and saying, you just have to ask them and they'll let you play. But I don't know any, if that's the right way to do it, but. <laughs> no, that's good. That clear communication matters. That's a thing. And I try. <laughs> yeah. And maybe she plays for a little while and then tries to divert them. That's a strategy I keep giving to my kids. I'm like, play the thing the other kids are playing first, even if you don't like it. And then once you've got the relationships forming, then divert them into something else. Yeah. And sometimes I'll divert her to, and do something else with her that she wants to do. And that'll take her mind off of it. So what about good stuff? Like what is ADHD bringing to your family? Uh, Like I said, I think a lot of the fairness, having that really strong feeling of what is fair and what's not fair. I want my kids to go out. I want to teach that to my kids that they need to stand up for things that aren't fair in the world because life isn't fair. And when they see unjust things happening, other kids treating the new kid poorly or somebody who has a disability, I want them to be able to feel like they should go and say something. They should go be nice to that one. And I think with my son, he's picked up on a lot of things because he is the one that the other kids look up to. So when he has his friends that have those disabilities, the other kids are following suit and are making friends with them. Um, Hyper-focus can be really good because if I get into doing a craft or something with my kids, then they're getting a hundred percent of me instead of me on my phone and listening to what's going on around me all the time. The creativity that comes with ADHD, I think, is really awesome, especially when it comes to um, projects that the kids have. I can help them think of about a thousand different things to do. I have probably a whole Michael store in my house (laughs) because of projects I've started and never finished. I've got beads and glue, 10 different kinds of glue and fabric and things to make jewelry. We turned my son's Valentine's Day box into like a whole football field with felt and chalk and markers and paint and just all different things that we had around the house. Those we didn't have to go buy anything. He had a store where they were supposed to spend no more than I think five or $8 to make something and sell it in school. We made these really cool picture frames with popsicle sticks and these little rocks and just foam paper, thick foam for the backing that we already had at the house. So we really, the only thing we bought was like the stones. So I already had the hot glue gun and all the other things. 
and just thinking outside of the box, I think is really, it helps them. Cool. And problem solving is good too. (laughs) I don't know. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad, but there's a lot of good. What are some of the common struggles that you face? Does anything reoccur? This is everything. Procrastination. Laundry never gets done on time. It gets done, but then it doesn't get folded. So all their clothes are wrinkled and I have to re-dry them or steam them. Dishes. Sometimes we will be, I'll be standing at the sink washing forks. So we have forks to eat with because I've forgotten to do the dishes for like a week. And now we're eating off paper plates. (laughs) I think I've left meat out and forgotten it. So we've had to rearrange dinner and it's like, oh, well, instead of having this that you've been waiting for all day, now we're going out to eat. (laughs) Yay! Because mommy forgot to put the food back in the refrigerator when she thought it. There's all kinds of things. Grocery shopping. Thank goodness for Kroger ClickList. Because when I go grocery shopping, even when I have the list in front of me and I'm physically marking things off, I will forget things. Wow. Something I've done with my grocery shopping, I, we shop at BJ's, which is bigger than a Kroger, I think. It's like a warehouse. Yeah, and we had them in Philly. I made a map of BJ's where I broke it down into basically nine sections. So like a nine by a three by three grid. And then I sort of labeled each section. And my wife, because my wife will make stream of consciousness grocery lists. And then she gives it to me because she doesn't like grocery shopping. So I go off and do the shopping part. And just the upkeep of like, I'm at the top of the list and now I'm in the middle and now I'm back at the top and now I'm way down at the bottom and now I'm in the middle and, and like I couldn't handle it. And so I just made a map and the list goes onto the map before I leave. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, so stuff's all in the same general area. I might be like, maybe I come to the eggs first and the milk second and they're on the list. That's not the order they're in or something. But, but at least there's only four or five things on that part of the list. So it doesn't matter that it's, I'm jumping around that much. Yeah, I try to do that. I try to, we'll make the list and then I'll try and rewrite it based on like all of my meats and then all of my produce and all of my things like that. So it's kind of similar. It's just not quite that far. But since we started doing the click list or the pickup, it's so much easier because I can just order it online. I can save the cart. So as things come up, I can add it. And then when I'm ready, I just click it and I just go schedule my time to pick it up. Oh, and they just give it to you. Yeah, they just, they load it into your trunk for you. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, you just pull into a spot, you call the numbers, ask if you have any coupons. And if you have coupons, they come out and get them. They ring you up and then they bring you your groceries and load them in your trunk. That's wicked cool. So it's way awesome. Yeah, holy cow. (laughs) Saves all kinds of time. I got to pay $4 for it, but it is worth, I would pay probably twice that. I would pay $10 easy for that. And they have a delivery service that's like 10 bucks, but I'm always afraid that if I do the delivery, I'll schedule it for a time and then I won't be here and my groceries will just be sitting out. (laughs) Because with the pickup, I can schedule my time, but as long as I'm there by 9 p.m., I'm good. Cool. I got to have to see if we don't have Kroger's out where I am, but I do kind of like grocery shopping though. It's a little bit like meditative for me, like just walking through the aisles. and It is if you don't have the kids with you or somebody at home waiting for you. Even with the kids... This is the thing I do with my kids that I feel like a genius for coming up with this particular idea. Before they could even read well, like they could sort of read, but not that great. I would give them coupons. Like they were sort of in the gap between I'm okay with you wandering around a supermarket a little bit far away from me, like a couple aisles or whatever, but not reading super well yet. And um, I would give them the coupons and I'd be like, here, there's a picture of what I want you to get on this coupon. 
go get it. Oh, wow. That would terrify me. Yeah. <laughs> if I can't see my kids, I freak out. Yeah, now nah, practicing independence. And now I'm just like, go. Like, my guys are 10. I'm like, as long as you can carry it, we're fine. And that's a little tricky at BJ's because stuff is huge. That's not, that's pretty cool, though. Because you're right, they do. They have pictures on them. So they don't have to worry about if they can read or not. When they were younger, it was like two or three aisles away. Now it's anywhere in the store. I don't care. Ten's a pretty good age for that. Yeah. And they love it because they're like, I know what I'm getting and I get to go off and do my own thing. And half the time they come back and they're like, dad, can we get fishy crackers? The goldfish stuff. Yeah. Go get the box, dude. I don't care. Yeah. My girls, if I let them do that, I'd have one that would be at the cheese counter the whole time and she wouldn't bring me back anything but cheese. And the other one, (laughs) she'd be over there looking for, I don't know, she'd probably get lost standing there looking at something. I typically let them each pick one thing that they want for like snack or lunch kind of a deal. And there's parameters, like it's got to be healthy. Yeah, it's fun. What led you to the the podcasting? Really, the only podcast I ever listened to was ADHD Rewired. And I found that one back in February. So that's even fairly new for me. And so I started, after I started listening to Eric on ADHD Rewired, I started looking for something else because his is really great for like all the helpful tips and tricks and having all the experts on for the science stuff. But I really was trying to find somebody I could connect with that had a similar story. And I found a few, I just, this is really bad. (laughs) I, I didn't like their voices. I couldn't listen to it. And some of the audio quality was bad. And I tried really hard to listen to it. And I'd turn it off in like five minutes. I guess I should take that as a compliment because I know you listen to mine. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes, but (laughs) so (laughs) I told you it was really bad. And now I feel really bad for saying it. And I'm going to obsess about it all day. But (laughs) (laughs) nobody knows who you're talking about. I don't even know who you're talking about. There's a good number of ADHD podcasts out there. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I know. And so I was just, I was, one day I was driving home from work and I was just like, I could do that. Of course, I didn't know anything about what all went into a podcast. And once I started reading about it, I got a little overwhelmed. And then I was like, okay, if I'm really, really going to do this, I need to do it right. And I can't just let myself run away with it like I usually do because then I'll run out of steam and I don't finish it. And so I started just taking notes on everything. I started watching Pat Flynn's videos. I started finding Facebook groups. I found the podcast movement group and there's so much helpful information there. And I just started listening to random podcasts to see how they do things. And then I just, I told my husband and he's like, and I was afraid he was going to think it was a bad idea or that it was silly. But he's like, no, I think that's a really good idea. So I finally, I just started doing it and recording and planning it and I got tired of giving myself excuses. So back in August, I just launched. Awesome. But it was just kind of, I don't know. (laughs) It's just one of those ideas that you start with, with ADHD that can go one of two ways. Either you start down it and you get obsessed with it and then you just drop it or you can slow yourself down and follow through with it. And you followed through. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of myself just for getting it done. Yeah, you should be. What helped you follow through with it? You and Eric asking me when I was going to get it on and me coming up with excuses as to why I couldn't get it on. (laughs) I'm being completely honest. (laughs) Because after I listened to what I was like, yeah, I was sick, but why aren't I doing this? I'm not doing it because I'm scared. 
that was the real reason was because I was afraid to put it out there. So I said, just, all right, I'm doing it. And I just did it. Cool. So some of that accountability stuff was helpful. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I need that. And networking into the thing helped too. Yeah. And it kind of all happened by accident and it was really cool the way it worked out. But yeah. So thank you guys for unknowingly holding me accountable. <laughs> I'm glad that we were able to contribute in some small way to help you out and get you launched because. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you and I spoke a couple of times about it once, right when it, I think we, Eric and I both saw you on the same Facebook message thing and we're like, what's that? What are you doing? How can we help? Yeah. And that helped light the fire a little bit more too, because at that point I was still just kind of him hawing around and trying to make things perfect. Like I think I told you, I spent so much time trying to make my website perfect because of the OCD that it was, it was really starting to get in the way. And I think that was part of it too. Yeah. Done is better than perfect. Yes. I'm learning that. And another sort of ADHD ism hiding inside of that, that is probably useful for parents to know is that sometimes we ADHD people, we kind of really do need an engraved invitation. <laughs> yes. And then we'll do it, but we need the engraved invitation sometimes. And that's kind of what Eric and I gave to you was like, no, 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 do it. Come, come do it. Like we, yeah. Yeah. It's like, sometimes you need the push, but in a way that doesn't come off as like nagging, I guess. It's the nuances, I think, that make the difference. And we can't always read people's minds either. So sometimes we just have to straight out be told. Yeah. Awesome. So, well, welcome to the, to the world of ADHD podcasting. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward, though, to your parenting group. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you're in that too. That, thank you. Yes. <laughs> and I'm really excited about that. Awesome. I'm glad. I made some tweaks last time around. So this group is better than the summer group. Not by like leaps and bounds. I don't want the people who are in the summer group to be like, I got ripped off. <laughs> but I've made some tweaks. There's things that I'm a little more excited about and interested in. Um, some of those tweaks happened during that group. I changed the order of stuff. Oh, it's always a learning process. I mean, it's going to change every time you do it. Yeah. And, and if you're comfortable, maybe I'll have you back on. You can talk about your experience in the groups once we get to the other side of that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Cool. And just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, okay. So for parents, because I've seen this come up a lot on the support groups, dealing with kids that lie a lot, and how hard and frustrating that can be. Just because I remember how frustrated my parents got with me as a kid. You're looking for the why, but there's not always a why. We don't always know why we do it. It just comes. And I think that's part of the impulsivity. As hard as it is to be patient, please just be patient. We need that. It's hard. I know it's hard not to do all of those things. Like I don't like liars and just be down on it. But I think the patience and the accepting is kind of important. I think it would be helpful in the depths of that anger and frustration. If you have to walk away, walk away. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com.
And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.